to pod for weeks now but life happened i'm doing a lot of stuff that i will catch up upon probably next episode but today i have a lot of stuff i need to get off my chest because i'm very 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 
annoyed and intrigued and yeah i'm feeling a lot right as a black person as a black k-pop stan but before i get into it let me just welcome y'all back to the podcast for our first time listeners this is my little thought dump for all the things y'all didn't ask me to talk about but they're here anyway this is kenny talks k-pop i am your host kenny at kenny Kameni on twitter i always talking yes we know this but yeah it's me i back <laughs> right um <laughs> so how have y'all been i trust that y'all have been well and keeping it together and having a good time and living a good life a lot has happened on kpop twitter recently a lot has happened in the industry recently a whole lot of releases that i am very excited to talk about anniversaries discharge from the military shiny is back we're gonna talk about that so much stuff is happening but as of today, I kind of tired holding my mouth about this particular subject. And I've talked about it a lot on the timeline, but I think I need to address it via the podcast as well so I can share the thoughts that I'm not willing or brave enough to tweet. Most people know that I don't hold my mouth, but, you know, ratioing and stand to it and everything. Um, so, yeah. I don't know if y'all saw, but today is December 4th, it's the 5th in Korea, but Henry from NCT Sweet Boy Gwang Hang decided he was going to do foolishness and post this series of photos wearing a wig fashioned out of a town with dreadlocks. And chaos has ensued in the latest episode of how much more anti-black can K-pop get? And it really brought up some interesting discussion. Like, there was a lot of discourse on the timeline today regarding, like, who should be offended and who shouldn't be offended and why it was offensive and how tired black people and black citizens citizens in particular are, like, of having to constantly explain why cultural appropriation is wrong, why it's not okay to appropriate black hairstyles that result in discrimination for the people who created them and invented them so it's like it's a common theme it keeps happening all the time and it's not just nct but they are building up a rap sheet that is really like pushing people away and like pissing people off especially black citizens and then how it plays into the whole thing of cultural appropriation kind of being used as this olympics this competition of who has done the worst and whose faves are better than whose because they didn't appropriate somebody's culture which by the way is the bare freaking minimum but you know what i mean so yeah there's a lot going on because you have people who are showing up out of nowhere that don't stand nct that don't know anything about nct whose faves have also appropriated black culture who stand idols who are part of an industry that is based and inherently in its dna is black culture it appropriates by default because it's k-pop and how they're sticking their nose into a conversation that's not necessarily for them and speaking of a black people or silencing black people or guilt tripping black people and victim blaming black people especially black citizens in this particular situation and then of course we have the coons and there's something i will definitely need to talk about regarding that because when we talk about coons it is a much more nuanced discussion than you disagree with me about finding this particular thing offensive and therefore you are a coon 
And that's a conversation that we've needed to have because I saw some tweets on the timeline that it really made me do a lot of thinking myself. So I just thought I would, you know, come and talk about it because it's important. It's important. It's a very important conversation. And that's why the title of today's episode is I'm Black and I'm Not Offended. Drawing the line as a black K-pop stan. Because... I think at the end of the day, we have to realize that not all black people are the same. We don't all have the same opinions on everything. And we need to be able to balance, you know, not tolerating racism in any form or fashion with not speaking over each other or holding a gun to somebody's head, for lack of a better phrase, holding a gun to somebody's head to make them agree with us because not everything offends everybody. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let me drop a little interlude here so y'all can get ready to listen because this might be a while. But yeah, welcome back. It come back with fair. Okay, so we are back. Um... I probably should start this off by giving y'all a little context about who I am and my kind of black and why I, you know, have a very different kind of perspective on this issue of anti-blackness and coonery and all that kind of stuff. So hi, my name is Kenny. Um, my full name is Mackenzie and I am from Barbados. I am racially black. I am ethnically Afro-Barbadian or Afro-Caribbean. If you did not know where the Caribbean is, or you don't know where Barbados is, I'm not telling you because it's 2020. Find a map. Um, but yeah, so I am Afro-Caribbean ethnically. My ancestors would have been slaves on my mother's side, on my father's side. If you trace it back up the generations, they were indentured laborers from Ireland and Scotland. So that is my bloodline, basically. So I am a product of white people and black people interacting because of rape essentially way back up the generations my country is a country that was a former colony of england until 1966 and colonialism has shaped our economy it has shaped our culture it has shaped our history since first contact which was way back in 1625 so that is the context i am coming from where yes the population is majority black Barbados is approximately, I think it's about 91% black. And then we have a small white population, um, and a rising Indian and I think other East Asian countries as well. Yeah. But I think that that's, that's basically, oh yes. And we also have a large, well, not a large, but we have an Asian population, mostly Chinese as well. So all of that is a result of slavery, indentured labor, migration, all that kind of stuff. So while we do have ethnic diversity in Barbados, it is not to the extent of say the United States or say Toronto or other parts of Canada or whatever. Barbados is very much predominantly black. So that is the perspective I am coming from as a black person from a predominantly black country. So the reason why I thought it was important to give you guys that background is because certain things do not affect me to to the same extent as say, black people from the United States especially or like black people who are from the motherland I call Africa the motherland um so it's different and I think that's one of the most important conversations we need to have that blackness is not homogeneous homogeneous by the way means same all the same 
blackness is not all the same for everybody my experience is going to be different from somebody who is black and canadian my experience is going to be different from somebody who is black and kenyan somebody's like it differs because what we live out every day our everyday is real our everyday reality in relation to our race differs from person to person for me certain things i don't have to worry about and i know that there's an element of my privilege that comes in because i live in a predominantly black country i don't have to worry about going to the store and not knowing if i'm going to make it back home in one piece because the police because a police officer is going to shoot me that is not a fear that i live with every day and I had to admit that that is a sense of privilege because I live in a country where everybody, almost everybody is black. African-Americans do not have that luxury. People in Nigeria and Kenya, all the places where the SARS protests are going on, they may live in predominantly black countries as well, but police brutality and oppression still takes place in that form. Even though those police officers may be black. So it differs, it, the experience differs. And why it's so important to understand that different parts of the African diaspora experience racism and, you know, imperialism and all of the isms that really kick into, you know, the black psyche and oppress us. It's because when we have conversations like this regarding K-pop, we have to understand that not everybody's gonna see everything the same way. Like for me, growing up in Barbados, a lot of our racism is you still get hints of it. So it's not as overt as say in other places, but you will see it. And like, even, even something like here, I'm starting to ramble, but even something like here, something as simple as me wearing my hair in an Afro to school when I was in secondary school, I couldn't do that because it was considered untidy and unkempt. We, my secondary school principal, we actually like blasted her in the newspaper. She like sent home two girls for wearing their hair in like low Afros or whatever. So she called them untidy and it made it to the, the national newspaper and it was just like well deserved because that is the hair that grows out of their heads and that was coming from a black principle so when i tell y'all like a lot of the racism we experience in barbados is very internalized that's what i mean or you have places where like say somebody has a product for sale they will sell they will um how how, how best to put it how best to put it i'm trying to figure out how how best to describe it either way racism in barbados is more covert like if if you're going to an establishment to buy something if you are not white especially if you're in the capital city if you aren't white or if you're black particularly the shop assistant can probably look at you and look off unless they're looking for commission and they can come and look for you but other than that if you're white you could be a white beijing but simply because you are white they will come to you I cater to you because we rely heavily on tourism and tourism is another thing I have to get into but it's like in little subtle things like that calling people's hair untidy you're not getting a job application because your hair isn't done a certain way you looking rough or not speaking properly or calling Beijing Creole which is my native language broken English or bad English so those are subtle ways in which racism plays out where I am from and in many parts of the Caribbean which, as I've said, is very, very, very different to other experiences in the Black diaspora. And the Black diaspora spreads from Africa itself all across the globe. There are Black people in every single corner of the globe, and each of their experiences is going to be different. So now that I have gone around the world to, you know, explain and give context, I guess 
you already want to know how this relates back to K-pop and the whole conversation about Kunari. The thing about being black and a K-pop stan, it is, I think it comes with a certain amount of inbuilt testicular fortitude because it is, it can get really, 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 really exhausting, especially when every group you stand screws up in some way or some fashion. And it's very much a slap in the face when you see that an industry whose content you consume because of its inner blackness that you feel the blackness you see the blackness coming out like especially with sm artists sm artists i find that i connect most with sm artists music because i can feel the blackness like i can see that the producers behind the music are black i can hear that they had a hand in what i'm listening to and that makes me feel good and it you know it's season so you know it get to my bones and thing but it's very very disrespectful when people take your culture a culture that you still get discriminated against for inventing and creating and living out every day and turn it into an industry that they profit off and market it back to you and then on top of that you know disrespect you further by doing cultural appropriation and it's it's very insensitive it can be very desensitizing as well because of how often it happens like I have citizen friends who stopped being citizens because of the constant cultural appropriation and the lack of apology, especially the lack of apology. And then I have friends and then like people like myself who's like, you know what? I just say for the music, I can't even be bothered anymore. I can call it out, but however it gets solved, it gets solved because these people like, they don't plan to change. And it's a complicated situation to put yourself in. And it's honestly some days, I think it's not easy because you have these other black fans that would tell you, or like locals or whatever that would tell you that, oh, you being a coon, you being a sellout for these Korean men or whatever. So, and I think it's important for us to realize that at the end of the day, we all got into this for the music. It wasn't ever supposed to be about who wears less do-rags or less bandanas or less braids or dreadlocks or whatever, like. That's never what it was supposed to be about. And pointing fingers at one another doesn't solve everything. Because if you look back through the history of any of these groups in K-pop, you will find some sort of slip up somewhere. Even if it's not with black culture, it's with East Asian culture. It's with somebody else's culture. So it's like, it's, I hate to use the word pandemic because it seems a little insensitive, but it is so ingrained in what K-pop is as a package that you can expect that with every combat somebody will mess it in some way or some form and i think it's very how to put it hypocritical yeah it, 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 it is hypocritical when you take it upon yourself to point fingers at another black fan and it's like a homeless homeless man calling another homeless man bro because if you look back you will see the same kind of history and that's what makes it so annoying, especially when that kind of victim blamey, manipulative kind of thing comes out from fellow black fans. Because it's still your culture though. You still share that culture or elements of that culture with that other black person that you are ridiculing a victim blaming for their culture being appropriate and being upset about it. Like you stand groups that have culturally appropriated. You cannot erase their history because it was years ago. So it's a little it, it makes me very uncomfortable 
when black people throw each other under the bus for k-pop groups when we just you know we just came here for the music so it's really it's very very unsettling oh gosh i wasn't meant to be this rambly but here we are because it makes you it, it makes you feel a whole lot of emotions like sometimes i feel guilt for still consuming and enjoying k-pop but then i was like this is not my fault though i didn't do anything wrong though uh, I shouldn't have to worry about my culture being appropriated 24-7 every time there's a new release. You're just supposed to release music though. That's all your job is. Release good music and go and perform on stage. That is all. Demonstrate that you have some knowledge of, you know, all the cultures that you partake in. Or take from. It's just... It, it, it It's exhausting, honestly. And you can't get offended at everything. And I had to learn that the hard way because I was at one point, especially because this year has been really, really difficult for black people and not just black people, but like black K-pop stands in general. Because not only were we dealing with stuff that happened in K-pop, like the whole thing with the Jim Jones sample and then the rampant anti-blackness from armies and A-tinies with, um, A-tinies? A-tinies, yeah. With Hong Joon and them ugly looking braids and you know, Jungin and the Durag and Hwasa and her constant, you know, nonsense. And then Make-A-Wish with the, um, okay, that wasn't black culture, but you know, it still brought up similar sentiments or whatever. So when you had all these things going on, you still had to deal with real life. You still had to deal with like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and SARS and everything happening for black people in the United States, everything happening for black people in the United States and across the world. So there was so oh and Chadwick Boseman passing. Like this year has been so rough and difficult for black people across the globe. Like and using K like K-pop was often like used as a hobby or an escape or a safe space. And then you logged on there and you saw people that you you know you enjoy them, you love them, you care about them, whatever. So you see them trivializing who you are and disrespecting your culture. And not only that, you see other fans, other people that are supposed to make up this so-called internet family called a fandom, defending them, disrespecting you, putting their feelings, their comfort, their reputations above your humanity when real life is already shit. And that's putting it nicely. So, like, for black K-pop stands, especially people who have been, like, really out there and at the fore and seeing what's going on firsthand but everything with the elections and the protests and police brutality and so much has happened to the black psyche on twitter especially the and our one safe space is being invalidated and destroyed because of people who are unwilling to hold this bunch of people accountable for appropriating cultures that do not belong to them when they really and truly could just make a song and go long. And that is what, I guess that is what hurts the most. That is what is most annoying personally for me. And it's why I had to get to a point where I kind of desensitize myself to a lot of things. Because if I got upset about everything, I would burst, explode 
not have an opinion or anything fall apart my mental health would be in tatters and i can tell you all a couple months ago my mental health was in tatters not just because of everything going on online but things happening in the real world as well as and because i'm an ir student i studied international relations so we have to pay attention to the news we have to know what's going on and the constant trauma 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 in your face over and over and over and over again and then you come online and your safe space is full of trauma 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 because you got people who think they're activists but you know putting protests with you know police brutality on the timeline and taking over racist hashtags with fan cams and think that they're saving the world and <sighs> oh calm down let me calm down let me calm down it has been such a ridiculous year for me as a black k-pop stan and i'm sure that i am not the only person who can relate to what i'm describing because <sighs> what a year <laughs> what a year but that's why i am currently somewhat desensitized to a lot of things i'm not gonna speak over anybody who is like actively mad about these things because there's certain things that are just wrong regardless of whether or not you perceive it as wrong or offensive and they can get there now but i just that's where i am right now i'm really desensitized like when it happens it's like oh it was only a matter of time and that's not the way it should be but that is the way it is so yeah that's that's how it feels a lot a lot a lot a lot of the time Ugh, okay i'm black and i'm not offended i'm black and i'm not offended why why does it ruffle my feather so much is because i don't like coons and honestly i had to do a lot of introspection about what i felt when i said i don't like coons and how i would describe a coon and for me a coon is anybody who's willing to sacrifice their blackness or put it on the back burner or you know prostitute their blackness for the sake of you know defending somebody else who doesn't care about them or throw other people under the the the, the, the the proverbial bus for the sake of defending somebody who does not care about them or their blackness. That's what a coon is to me. And if you defend a K-pop boy for, you know, wearing braids or saying the N-word or whatever, so, and you say you're black and you're not offended, then honestly do not come around me because I consider you a coon. And it's, for me... It's not these small things like if you season thing, if you season your meat, or if you wash your rice before you cook it or nothing. So, I mean things like actual cultural appropriation, trying back a black lives matter donation and people trying back a black lives matter donation in in black people's faces when they call you out for being anti-black, doxing my friends and threatening me because I tell you that you being anti-black by trying to silence me for calling out. Who? Come on. Calm down. Let me calm down. That's what I mean when I call you a coon. Because at the end of the day, these, these men and these women do not know us. They do not care about us. They take our culture, they profit off it, and they sell it back to us. And one of those eat them up. I can say one of I never buy nine care about really yet. And like it is it's it's just a lot. And when you say you're black and you're not offended, what tends to happen all the time is that some foolish little non-black idiot 
that has been hunting for some kind of justification to excuse whatever anti-black thing that has happened, they take your opinion. You might be one out of a million black people offended about this thing and they take your opinion and use it to discredit that other 99,000. That's bad math, terrible math. But y'all know what I mean. Like that's what tends to happen all the time. One person says they're not offended on the timeline, loud justifying whatever it is or like you know speaking from their particular place of privilege because black people do have privilege in some aspects as i would have described earlier and like they take that one opinion and they use it to discredit the feelings and invalidate the emotions of people who are offended by this particular offense and that got stopped because it does not bode well for representation it does not bode well for sticking together and closing ranks and holding each other accountable because you may not be offended by something, but how dare you fix your fingers to give a non-black person the excuse, the justification to speak over another black person? How dare you fix your fingers to do such foolishness? It is not a good look. It is ridiculous. And it do not add up. It does not add up. Because when you give non-black people the excuse to speak over black people about black issues, when it is you, and when it is you being spoken over, you're not going to like it. I only need to understand at the end of the day, the only people that black people have are themselves. POC solidarity is not a thing. So when y'all do that, and y'all invite spaces, y'all, y'all invite non-black people into black spaces to have conversations they should not be having, and have opinions they should not be having, you're wrong you're doing the black community a disservice whether or not you offended i need y'all to let that sink in because it's not everything that offends me it's not everything i'm gonna get on on the timeline on twitter but because not everything offends me i don't be bothered by a lot of things but if my friends if my black friends are bothered by something how dare i give a white person or a non-black person the ammunition to go and silence them. How dare I? Who am I to do that to another black person? When we all facing the same kind of race, when we all facing the same racism, what I can do that? Somebody come and dox me the next second because I call out some of that anti-black aspect though. We have to have one another's backs. That is what is important. You cannot sit here and let Korean men and women, Asian men and women tear the black community apart. You cannot do it. Because all it does is pick us apart when we are already outnumbered on an app that is going to enable racism even further. Because we're reporting these accounts. Especially, I, I really didn't want me today about doxing, but I have to talk about this doxing thing because it's ridiculous. We have people that go to know, that go to all kinds of extremes to silence black people when they call out anti-blackness. Because how dare we stain the angelic reputation of a stranger we don't know it is it is so out of hand and when you sit down and you justify it because your fandom got hatred or your fave got hatred you are complicit and doxing can ruin people's lives y'all are not poor y'all understand this if you could listen to this podcast that means you can understand what he's saying doxing can ruin people's lives y'all do not know what y'all are exposing y'all do not know who y'all are putting at risk 
And when you think about it, you are going to all of these lengths for somebody who's not going to look at you twice. And when it's black people involved in this doxing, when it's black people supporting this doxing and all this kind of stuff, you don't know that it could be you? You for real? So I need y'all to get a hold of yourselves and remember that you are black before you are a K-pop stan. And even if you're going to use that phrase, do not hop on no blasted timeline getting involved in conversations that do not concern you for fan war purposes. Because if on one occasion you never talk about this particular group, you don't know anything about this particular group. But when they screw up and there's cultural appropriation going on and black fans are upset, you could fix your fingers to type and get involved? When your fans are guilty of the same foolishness just a couple years earlier? I think not. I think not. I think it makes you very out of line. It makes you very hypocritical. And cultural appropriation is not an episode of the Olympics. It is not a competition. It is all wrong. And there should be no finger pointing because finger pointing, you watch your fingers pointing back at you. I look very foolish. Very foolish. So stop it. And this podcast was intentionally for my black listeners. But if you are non-black and you are hearing this, please listen carefully. Know your place and know when is your time to speak and when is not your time to speak. And if the conversation is not for you, stay out of it. If you can amplify the voices of your black moose who are upset about something, do that. But do not speak over black people. Do not inflate situations and blow them out of proportion because you want to seem woke and an ally and all that kind of stuff because all you do is make the black people who are really offended uncomfortable because some of y'all don't know when to stop. You do it a lot with jokes about cultural appropriation and then it becomes, you know, standard. All the do-rag edits and all that kind of stuff and bringing up Jane and the N-word every five minutes and, you know, like, all of these little things. They add up and they normalize cultural appropriation so that when it's called out, it's not taken seriously. So you as a non-black person, really and truly go and know your place. Because this is not your conversation. Listen, learn. I'm not going to use the word educate because educate has very ethnocentric connotations. Like, don't talk about that one more time because I'm tired of tweeting about it. Stop saying that we need to educate Asian people. They're not stupid. They're not ignorant. They have somebody fastest wi-fi speeds and internet speeds in the world information is accessible it is 2020 anything you want to know you can find in a matter of seconds there is no excuse for some things yes there are such things as cultural nuances i didn't know everything that is offensive to korean culture when i first got into k-pop i had to learn but i educated myself oh gosh i didn't want to use that word i looked up stuff I asked questions, I read, I researched because I ain't going into no culture that's not mine and making assumptions about what's offensive to them and what is not. I'm not gonna go into somebody else's culture and tell them that XYZ is wrong or right or belittle it or mock it or, or you know, whatever because that's not my place. And I will not do it. So extend that same courtesy to black people at non black people do it because it's exhausting and then we often feel like we're fighting on our own because a lot of people will say a lot of non-black people will say oh poc we always struggle shared oppression and all that kind of stuff i just be like y'all don't understand model minority theory clearly 
because model minority theory is a very real thing and some of y'all because of your proximity to whiteness y'all let things pass and you just remember that you might be close to white but you ain't white and if you ain't white you can be oppressed i will have you to know that and that's why it's so important as much as i do not believe in in people of color solidarity i absolutely do not i know that there's some non-black moots that have my back be one of them be an ally be a proper ally and allies listen and they and they amplify they do not speak over there's a difference so that is my message to non-black people listening to today's episode because we tired fighting by ourselves, and it is exhausting it is psychologically affecting us it is annoying i don't even look and tell me oh well if it causing all these problems why well, just leave k-pop because i came for the music and i should be able to enjoy the music and then you need to fix what i'm doing because i'd hear for the music and y'all took from that culture first so you can't tell me to move out fix what you're doing so this got very i think i think that's all i had to talk about is that all i have to talk about i think so it's just it's a lot man guys I really hope that things that we keep it together and that you know we continue to hold our faves accountable and hold each other accountable and understand that certain things are above whether or not you personally offended though like I personally do not reclaim slurs I know a lot of African Americans reclaim the word nigga I'm just like no don't call me that even if you black don't call me that because that's not a slur that I reclaim if you call me so I will consider it an offense that may not be the case for other people. Somebody else wearing braids. Oh gosh, don't let me miss out this part. And this whole thing about braids and people coming and getting them plat in the Caribbean. Oh, and this is where y'all need to listen to Afro-Caribbean perspectives. This is where y'all need to listen to other people's perspectives other than just the African-American experience because blackness is not homogeneous. Oh my gosh. If you want to know more about dreadlocks, look up the history of Rastafarianism. Oh my gosh. Look up Marcus Garvey. Look up Ethiopia. Look up Jamaica. Look at the significance of what locks actually represent. Look at the origin of the very term dreadlocks. It came from white people calling locks dreadful. Like even that is inherently racist. And when y'all teeheeheeing about how locks look dirty and unkempt and ugly, I'm just like, y'all very, 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 very anti-black. Y'all are being extremely anti-black right now. And I think we have to talk about it from the Afro-Caribbean perspective because that wig is just a symptom of what tourism has done to Caribbean culture and especially Jamaican culture as well. Because what tends to happen is that tourism commodifies culture. And when I say commodify, it makes culture into this product that can be reduced to an aesthetic that is then marketed to the world to tell them, oh, look at our culture, come come spend money with us. While, they're not, while they do not experience the hardships of the locals. They don't understand the reality of the locals because all they see is sun, sea, sand, and they come down here and frolic for two weeks and then go back up. Barely spend any money in the actual country because they come and stay in all-inclusive hotels which repatriate all of their profits back to the back to the sea in North America and no money stays in the hands of Caribbean governments. But this is not a social studies course, is it? Either way, tourism is important in these kind of discussions because when you understand how exploitative tourism is and you understand how 
even something as simple as a wig made to represent dreadlocks is problematic, then you will get it. Like tourism is a form of imperialism. We were never allowed to really build up secondary industries, which would be like manufacturing and production here. We were always primary producers. And before it was sugar in Barbados, now it is tourism. So one main industry that we depend on, we depend on people coming down from the States and from England and Europe to come and give us our, you know, give us our daily penance. And it is colonialism and imperialism in the black community outside the United States is very complicated. So when you look at a black person and you tell them, oh, people come and get their hair plait in the Caribbean and it's not a problem, it is a problem. It's a problem because anti-blackness is so normalized, my culture is so reduced to an aesthetic that I would rather stand up and plait some ignorant white body hair and get a couple cents off it than explain why you shouldn't be wanting to appropriate my hair cause my my hairstyle in the first place it is easier for me to do that to do that than to explain why it is wrong because you're not bent you you bent on not understanding so when you have these conversations understand you coming from a place of privilege because the body that plotting with people here in braids for survival the, the, the body that plotting with people here in braids on the side of the road doing it to survive though you come in and get your hair though as an aesthetic. That's a means of survival for the body plaiting your hair though. And that's why it's so important to listen to different perspectives from parts of the Af- of the African diaspora. And that's why conversations about dreadlocks, they are not in the domain of, you know, the same kind of things as like braids or whatever like that. Like there's very specific nuance to that. There's a very religious aspect to dreadlocks. Th- locks. There's a very religious aspect to work to, to the significance of blocks. Like there's a lot of history and everything behind it. And that's why we always say it is not just here. It has never been just here. And that's why y'all need to hear us out. Yes, pun intended. That's why y'all need to hear us out when we talk about anti-blackness and when we talk about listening to other perspectives. Because all black people are not the same. And the black experience is not the same for everybody. And I just thought I would share that little anecdote about the hair and the hair platinum episode because it's important for y'all to realize that my reality as a black Caribbean person, as an Afro-Caribbean person, means that things like dreadlocks, when you come and you call dreadlocks ugly, or you call, or you, or you justify somebody wearing a wig with dreadlocks on it because people sell it at a tourist stand, that don't sit right with me because y'all don't need to y'all don't understand how exploitative tourism is and what it has done to our economies and to our cultures and to our histories. So listen when we talk. That's all. <sighs> Alright, I think I've calmed down now. If y'all hear barking, that's my dog. He's at it again. But yeah, I think I think I got everything off my chest now. All I really want y'all to do is listen, to be honest. Listen first and then talk. Or if you don't have anything productive to add to discussion, hush. If it don't offend you, then fine. Do you. Don't force yourself to be offended or whatever. So, But do not give other people ammunition to speak over other black people. Do not throw black people under the bus for people who do not care about us. That is all. Just, you know, act like you got little saints. We ain't make it this far by throwing each other under the bus. Honestly, you don't have to be offended, but understand that there will be people who are. 
And for those of us who are offended, understand that you can't you can't force anybody to be offended by anything. Just respect each other's opinions, validate each other's opinions, and most of all, do not speak over each other or give anybody else who is not black the excuse to speak over either side. That is all. I said that is all a lot. But that's it. That's it. Ain't that hard. So I think I said my piece. I think that's all I have to say about it because there's a lot more we could talk about where the anti-blackness part comes from but today was for black stands and not black allies that's that that's what today's episode was for so again i go wrap it up now yeah all right since I've got all of that off my chest now, I guess I can give you guys a little personal update. I got a cat! Yes, I've got a cat. His name is Taki. Yeah, his name is Taki, but my parents call him um, Prince because they're stubborn and they won't call him Taki, which is really annoying. But yeah, he is the sweetest. He's about, he could be three months soon, but he's the sweetest. The most he does is sleep. And then he scratches people and bites people and stuff. But he's he's a darling. A real darling. Now, outside of that, like the reason I haven't been podding a lot is because it has been mentally exhausting to pod. Like it is the first time I had like energy to pod in a while. Because a lot has been going on in my life. I'm currently directing a production for Christmas. All sorts of stuff is happening. So that's why I've been currently so oh yeah, and I recently finished um tech stuff for a wedding that was last weekend so a lot has been going on and that's why i haven't been potted but hopefully my time frees up i'm gonna get the time to vlog more after the 20th of december i should be a lot more freer to pod and like catch up on stuff and enjoy my birthday or whatever so yeah i will see y'all in a few weeks because i can't guarantee that i will be back by next week but i hope that today's episode was you know insightful and you know a wake-up call because i the tired one of my mouth so yeah this has been kenny and you have been listening to kenny talks k-pop and i'm gonna give y'all a song for the road i don't know which one yet but y'all will hear it when the podcast ends so yeah share this podcast with your friends oh yeah i forgot to tell y'all this podcast is recorded with the anchor app it's very easy to use any beginner can use it and it's free we love free things so yeah Enjoy when it's out. I will see y'all next time on a song for the road. Bye!
잠이 들어 너처럼 같은 꿈을 꿀 것만 같아서 Cause we see you take mine away from me. May you know, not a good 